It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, brought to you by Smoky Mountain Organics with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday as we answer your questions. And again, we thank our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies. They got four locations to serve you. Plus, you can shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Those four locations, three in Sevier County, Sevierville, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, and also in Knoxville, right across from Trader Joe's. It's the mailbag edition. Plenty of questions to get to in this podcast, guys, and we'll jump right into the first question. This comes from Sam Smith, 2233. He wants to know what type of deal is Nico looking for while he's in high school. That's for you, Austin, and for you, Rob. Who is the alpha on this basketball team that gets the last shot in March? Uh, as for deal, uh, I, I don't feel comfortable talking about that because I, I just don't feel like that's anybody's business. You know, I mean, let, let everybody else, like this isn't the NFL. Um, you're never going to hear about even what, like mo- most of these college deals that are going on, you're never going to know the, the specifics on. So, um, you know, let's put it this way. Nico's looking at, you know, a hefty deal at the high school level and then a secondary deal once he gets to the college of his destination. And alpha male on the basketball team. It's interesting, Rob. I I wouldn't say – I mean, the alpha male is not necessarily the guy getting the last shot. I mean, I think everybody – anybody that watches this team would say that Rick Barnes is going to pull his clipboard out and try to get Santiago Vescovi an open look at three, but that doesn't mean he's the alpha male. But that's definitely – everybody on the team, on the staff, would want to have the last shot. Yeah, which is harder, easier said than done, as Tennessee's had that opportunity, what, three times this year? And and he's not been the guy who's gotten the ball because teams have taken him away. It's not by by lack of design. It's just um, everybody on the court knows that that's where the ball wants to go to. So um, he has, a, he, you know, had a hard time, has had a hard time getting him open. And uh, we'll, we'll see what um, – if they can get that. It's, it's funny how teams, Rob, sort of take on that. Like the baseball team, for example. I mean, they, they found a way to win – every close game last year. And because of that, there's unbelievable expectations for them this year. And it's a good team coming back. Uh, but they, they just were able to, to make every shot or, or hit every ball in play when you had to with two outs in the bottom of an inning. Tennessee's had that opportunity, what, three times and, and hasn't been able to do it. They had a chance at, against Texas Tech and um, had an open look against Alabama. Uh, you know, a shorthanded team and had the open look against Texas and, and neither were those, neither of those three fails. So um, kind of strange. Sometimes that's the, the way teams go. Maybe this team will get that opportunity and somebody can knock them down uh, or knock that shot down in a game winning situation. Speaking of basketball, uh, next question is a hoops question. Never seen a basketball team rebound so poorly. Often there's no one on the offensive glass and we aren't so great either on the defensive side. Uh, Josiah James seems to be our only competitive rebounder. What gives? Why does no one crash the offensive boards? I mean, I I disagree with that take. I mean, I, I've, I've certainly – I mean, I don't, I'm not saying Tennessee's a great rebounding team by any stretch of imagination, but I certainly wouldn't say that they're the worst rebounding team I've ever seen. Uh, they they won the rebounding battle last night. They out-rebounded – or we're taping this on Tuesday. They out-rebounded – on Wednesday, they out-rebounded Texas A&M on Tuesday. I mean, I'm not saying they're great, but to act like they're the worst 
rebounding team that's that's ever existed. I I don't agree with that. They're fifth in the SEC in, in rebounding margin in, in in eight conference games or nine conference games now after after Tuesday night. So I, I just that 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 take is not supported by the numbers. It's kind of laughable. Yeah, I mean, again, they're not they're not great, but they're they're fifth in the SEC in rebounding margin. Well, and, and you talked about this in the preseason. I mean, we all believed and all felt like this team may have a hard time rebounding the basketball. That was one of the question marks surrounding this team. Um, they've been able to they've been able to do a better job of that than I thought. Now, I will say they gave up too many offensive rebounds to Texas A&M, but, but overall, this is a basketball team uh, that, that has rebounded the ball probably better in a lot of ways than, than people expected. Um, because I, I thought that would be one of their weaknesses for sure when you look at uh, what this team was all about uh, heading into this season. Do, do you uh, think Do you think they're a better rebounding team, Rob, uh, at the guard position than they are maybe well, even in the post? Yeah, and, they, and they, have, they have to the be. Post. I mean, Josiah is the best rebounder on the team from the wing at six foot six. I mean, Olivier has gotten better a little bit, but I mean, Fulkerson is a below average rebounder for for your four or five guy and Eurosh, I mean, Eurosh is not going to get a rebound that is, is out of his area. I mean, if he has to move his feet and, you know, cover some ground, he's not, he's not grabbing a board, but I mean, I, I think they've outpunched their weight as far as rebound. I mean, again, they're not good or they're not great. I didn't think they would be good, but again, they're, they're fifth in the, in the SEC. So I'm not going to sit here and act like they're, you know, just terrible at it. All right, let's go to the next question. Football from E. Schaefer, 92. Out of last season's freshman football players, who do you see taking the biggest leap in year two? This is a popular question seemingly every week in the chat and uh, pretty common on the Mailbag podcast as well. Give me an offensive guy and a defensive guy that you think has a chance to take a pretty good step from last year's uh, freshman year. I'll, I'll start on this one. How about that? Uh, I, I'm going to take – I think because of opportunities there, I'm going to take um, Kamal Haddon or Brandon Turnage, one of those two on defense. And then offensively, um, I'm going to go with Jalen Wright because I think he's going to get opportunities early. We'll see what kind of um, competition he gets from Justin Williams. But I, I think Jalen Wright's a guy who will have chances to do some different things as he grows in this offense, Austin. But Hubbard, Hubbard, have you seen Justin Williams' thighs? They're big. He's a large I man. Mean, they are a, he is a large individual, no, no doubt about that. A, AKA VFF. Just got his ears perked up. Um, I, you know, offensively, I'm just not sure there's a, a huge step for him. I mean, Jalen Wright because of opportunity, but again, that, that's kind of going to be a kind of a hodgepodge unit in my mind. Like, you know, a lot of guys playing um, might be Jalen Wright one week, maybe another guy the next week. Um, you know, it, I'm not sure anybody on the offensive line moves into the to that role that was a freshman this past year. Um, you know, because just Tennessee's got most everybody back unless somebody like, you know, William Parker comes along and, and, and you know, takes a big leap in spring practice. Um, I, I'll go with the tight end position, either be Miles Campbell. Actually, I'll just go Miles Campbell. Um, and then defensively, I'll go Christian Charles. I mean, just because they were trying to play him more last year before he got a little banged up, and it just makes sense. Yep. Yeah. AP, I like, where, I like where your head's at with tight ends. I could, uh, I definitely could, could see Campbell. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where your head's at because if you could only see the Zoom right now that we're on, Rob's nowhere to be found. We just hear his voice like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and I, and I'm also with you on, on 
Christian Charles, I mean, it just felt like if he hadn't gotten injured last year that he was going to be a guy that saw some time. And I'll throw Rucker in there as well. Yeah, you just you just hope for that kid's sake the the getting burnt to a toast in the bowl game doesn't have kind of a you know a, a poor impact. I don't think it will, but you never know with kids, man. Kids are kids are different. Yeah, if he can't AP, get that much one. like your much like your prom date, AP, you got to have a short memory at corner. <laughs> got to get got to get over things fast. Wow, unbelievable. That's 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 a ter- that's a terrible take right there. Holy. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Paul's jump shot at Maryville High School. Paul Fortenberry's jump way. shot. You had to get Paul, at Paul, at Paul Fortenberry averaged 3.2 points per game in those 6 a.m. games against Mark Eldridge. 3.2. I think his career high was seven. He's the best He's the best rebounder that Lee Humphrey ever had in, in pregame at Maryville, though. Wow. Such a shout-out for Paul. Hey, Paul, there's your shout-out, buddy. Um, next question comes to – can you give by the way, by the way, just know if I'm never if I ever move on to some other job and I'm no longer working, I will never call you like Paul did and ask for a shout out so people <laughs> at the general's quarters will clamor. You you you'll get one. You'll get one no matter what, AP. <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Can you give a breakdown of some of the preferred walk-ons that uh, that Tennessee has taken that you like? Uh, obviously, Shannon Blair would be one that jumps to mind uh, as, as he announced today that he was going to go to Tennessee. I think Austin, the deep snapper from Memphis, just because, I mean, that is yeah, a, a scholarship spot so many times, and that's such a, a vital position. I, I mean, I think that's one. He was headed to Memphis, and, and Tennessee obviously has gotten him to, to come to Tennessee uh, instead of going to Memphis. So I, I think that's one that's, that is important. Um, and, and it will say, I mean, you know, they, they get to transfer Jackson, Hannah from – uh, Nebraska, they got the transfer from, from Central Florida at the tight end position. Um, clearly, Tennessee is trying to improve the talent level uh, outside of the 85 number uh, in terms of scholarship guys uh, with their walk-on program. That's been a big point of emphasis the last few weeks, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, everybody's going to talk about Shannon Blair because he was once committed to Michigan State, three-star top kid, um, solid offer list even before he committed to Michigan State. Um, you know, and, and a kid that honestly – Came here for camp. Even though everybody's fine as a DB, he just – I mean, all kids love the positions that that get the most acclaim. Wide receiver gets most acclaim. So, he camped at wide receiver, and they kept trying to get him to move to DB, kind of move to – and about three minutes before the camp ended, he was like, I'll move to DB. Well, it's too late then. And so, you know, they didn't get a chance to really work him out at DB. Um, but I think a guy, if he can recover, I think can have an impact, especially on special teams early. Um, you know, I think that he can have an impact and then we'll see long-term if, if he can crack, you know, things, I mean, so much goes on to like, does he get bored playing the role of, you know, kind of just practice player the first couple of years and, and, and choose to move on somewhere else, or does he hang in there and kind of battle through it? You know, I think kid from Catholic, uh, anytime you can go with a specialist, um, I think that's good because the more of those you can add to your team, the better, especially, you know, with the fact that Paxton Brooks will be in his last year. Um, by the way, if people have asked, I expect Paxton Brooks to kick off again next year. The groin should be healthy. Uh, you know, it should be healthy now, but it should be definitely healthy by the fall, um, which will allow him to, to kick off again. And then, um, you know, uh, I think, you know, when you look at, you know, the kids they got out of West Tennessee as walk-ons, they're very quality as well. And we got the kid out of Greenbrier as well, right? They got Derek Taylor from Greenbrier. They got the kid from the couple kids from Peabody. Um, you know, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I, that, that Tennessee 
improved what would be considered the bottom part of their roster. Um, you know, and, and we'll see. I mean, again, you look all over the NFL hubs, and I'm not saying these guys are going to be NFL players, so don't mistake. But, you know, there are always guys that kind of blossom late, bloom late. I mean, how many Cooper Cups and Devontae Adams and, I mean, even a guy like Josh, you know, Josh Allen, I mean, he played at Wyoming. You know, I mean, like, you know, how many, how many kids – just kind of get overlooked in the recruiting process because they didn't have the avenues to go and, and camp. They didn't have the avenues to go and do several things, you know, and then they just kind of have a, a will, you know, to get better and, and they work at it. Yep. The most coveted tie or the most coveted receiver in transfer portal is, is a case for that as well. He just did not end up at Tennessee and Isaiah Nair, but that's a guy who was not recruited uh, very hard coming out of high school. Uh, when do you think UT has a QB commitment in the boat for 23? I don't have a timeline yet. We'll see. I, mean, I think they got to get some guys back on campus, and we'll see. I don't think there is a timeline. We just know quarterbacks come off the board uh, earlier rather than later um, when, when you talk about quarterbacks in a signing class. I, I was going to say two Tuesdays from now. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, um, I think I think April, March or April, you know, is when I when I see you know some movement there. Even if you don't even have a commitment there, I think at that point you really kind of become a major, major, major player for somebody. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that. I don't know that a commitment gets done then, but I think you're, I think you know where you're dialed in and, and where your entire focus seems to be centering on, uh, particularly out of that March period where those guys are going to be on the road seeing schools. I've heard it mentioned that Aiden Bustle is the top lineman in the state and one of the top, um, one of the top players in the state. Do you believe he's the best in this state class or is one of the higher-rated offensive linemen better? I think Bustle's the best talent at the offensive line position in the class in the state of Tennessee. I like Aiden Bustle a lot. I think Bryce and Sanders' versatility is a good thing. And, and I think total upside, Trevor Duncan, because I think he's just so raw. Like, I mean, like, I, 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 he's long – you know, he wants to play D-line, but he's not opposed to O-line, especially if it gets him on the field. He's mean. He's nasty. Um, you know, again, I, there's something about that kid that I think is really, really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, quit listening to the rankings. Like, I, I, Luke Brown's going to end up with a good a good spot to land, okay? So, I'm not – this is not me poo-pooing on Luke Brown, but he's not the t- second-best player in the class. Like, that's not real. So, like – he, again, he's going to end up somewhere really good, but he's not the number two player in the class. So quit looking at the rankings and, and look at who's offered and who's chasing them and then, you know, all that. When is uh, Deshaun Bishop looking to make a decision? You know, I don't know. Like, I mean, he put on his Snapchat or the other night or whatever, that, you know, oh, everybody's committing. I'm going to do it tomorrow. And then I called him. He's like, oh, I was just messing around. I was like, okay, well, we don't like the just messing around. So, like, you know, I don't have to chase these things. Um you know, I say summertime. It just makes the most sense. Um, I don't think he's coming off the board before April. All right, JT. JT I'm sorry. I mean, who else, who else is really after him? Um, I mean, Michigan State's offered him. Uh, I think Kentucky will end up. Kentucky will end up after him. Purdue just offered him the other day. Um, Louisville, Tennessee. Here's the thing about Deshaun Bishop. He doesn't go anywhere. Like when you don't go and take trips. And he plays at Carnes. So, I mean, like, he's a bit hidden. I mean, look at the two kids that ended up at Oklahoma State. Like, you know, they were kind of hidden too, you know, Devin and Thomas Harper. So, I mean, like, it, it, what's nuts is, like, <laughs> I mean, 
let's say Bishop ends up at Tennessee. Carnes will have three guys go power five in seven or eight years. I mean, that's almost as much as anybody in the area. Be interesting to see if Bishop takes some trips this summer. Um, a- if he gets out a little bit more. A- AP Carnes is Carnes. All right, let's go to JT Balls 1973. Welcome to the board. He's a new member. Uh, he was happy to learn, Austin, that you're from Morristown. We might have him on as a special guest in the podcast because he might have some stories one of these days. He says he's got a lot of family up that way. Secondly, he here's his question. I know football is trying to get back to some level of prominence, but it seems all the other sports are doing really well. Uh, the list is long, so I won't start mentioning them. But what do you attribute that to, and is that something that the university can benefit from, even though um, they are not the big money sports like football is? Sure, um, winning, winning breeds winning. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Winning breeds winning. And, and Rob, I think when you look at why the non-revenue sports are doing well, I, I think you start first and foremost w- with the coaches that are running those sports. You know, I, I think Tony Vitello um, has obviously been a really good hire. Give John Curry credit for that one because nobody knew really who Tony Vitello was when he got the job. Unless you follow, you know, baseball really, really closely, you, you didn't know. I mean, he was an unproven head coach. Um, Coach Brennan with the golf team, that was a Philip Fulmer. That was on Philip Fulmer's watch with that hire, um, who's obviously done a good job. The weeklies have been here for a long time in softball, as, as we know. Um, tennis is, I mean, you know, they just got a lot of good coaches running their programs. I think that's the biggest thing. And I, that was something that, um, th- that, was, that was talked about a year ago. Uh, when you talk about all the unrest, one of the things that wasn't an unrest for Danny White when he took the job was that he didn't have to deal with all the other sports. They were on firm ground and solid footing when they got here. And as a result, I think he's kind of left them alone, Rob, and they've gone out and done their thing and they've been successful. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to sound like a total jerk. However, I don't, I don't mean to, but how's Alabama's tennis team? How's Georgia's baseball team? You know, that's that's nice to talk about when, when football's not not getting it done. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the I mean, I, again, I don't mean to sound like a jerk and be football's the front. Football's the front porch. Um, you know that they're they're that's I mean that's huge. That's why the that's why Danny White's here, Austin, and and that's why Josh Heupel's here because you got to get football right. And football was not right, so they brought in a couple of people to try to fix football, and and we'll see if they can get it done. So um, you, you just said the, the football's the front porch. Is that what you said? Yeah, to the school. So are you advocating for the theme of the 2022 volunteers to be Tracy Lawrence if the world had a front porch? <laughs> no, I'm not. No? Okay. But thanks. I, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I mean, I, are you I, want I, that to I be your third, fourth quarter song there, AP? I'm, uh, it, 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 you know, I, I'll be real honest. It, it, <laughs> some of them tearjerkers they've played over the years going from the third to the fourth, it, 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 you know, I'm for I'm for whatever can get the, the crowd into it. I've advocated for Glenn Jacobs to come out in his cane mask, do the whole motion that he does, and the fireworks shoot off on top of the stadium because I think people would go bananas if the mayor walked out there with the mask on. The lights go out, orange lights everywhere, his theme music plays, place would go bananas. You were saying, Rob, before we I'm just to say, I mean, I, I mean, I feel bad. I feel bad saying that a little bit because I don't want to. I mean, I the baseball stuff last spring was was a ton of fun. The excitement was real, but it just again, I, I think that if I don't know what Georgia's tennis team 
is like. I know they just won the national championship with football. You know, and I, I bet their fans don't care. No, I'm sure. I'm sure they don't. But I mean, I, I think that you know, Austin's right. And in, in winning is winning. Does that mean there's suddenly going to be a packed house at the swimming center? No. But I mean, no. The, the the more winning that you have, I, I think that the 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 better the the better your athletic department is. Now, is that the difference maker? Is is suddenly those non-revenue sports going to f- help fix football? No, I don't think anybody's saying that. He asked the question why, and I think the question why is that. You know that they have good coaches in yeah, those programs, it's, it's and it's leadership. not a bad, yeah, it's not a bad thing, uh, but it's not the difference maker for in terms of getting football back or, or getting the, you know, more publicity or anything like that necessarily for you. All right, uh, CD Vol wants to know the vibe I'm getting is that the defensive backboard um, it, for the 23 class is still in flux, and staff can't decide on who to go all in on. This is the same issue they seem to have last year. To me, it's unacceptable, and those issues should be corrected by now. Are Banks and Martinez not on the same page? Also, I personally don't see the Vols landing Nico or Vizina. Who would be the next the next quarterback on the board? Well, if you don't think they're landing Dante Moore, Christopher Vizina, or Nico Iamaliaba, then they are likely going to have to, you know, find somebody who kind of takes a jump between last fall and, and sometime this summer. You know, hits a growth spurt, comes and camps well. That type of thing. Now, there's the kid in Kansas. I forget his name. Um, but, I mean, I mean he, he's as much of a flyer as, you know, trying to kind of go the camp route and find a find a diamond in the rough, so to speak. As for the DBs, I mean, I, I think Willie Martinez – I don't think they're on – I don't think they're – I think they're on the same page. I just, you know um, – yeah, and that's something i got to dive into. I mean, I, you know, I know most of their board about stuff, but I don't know every every – nook and yeah. cranny of the board yeah and just just because that board doesn't we don't have a clear picture of that board doesn't mean the board is is, is in as much flux as it seems or maybe as you think it is out there um anybody from michigan you could see leaving that tennessee would be interested in if harbaugh goes to minnesota you mean player wise i mean again i think if cody jones wanted to come back who, who was a midterm enrollee i think tennessee would absolutely take cody jones i think tennessee would absolutely take junior colson now again Colson's um, parents, you know, are, Michigan parents are, are, you know, yes, correct. That's right. You know, they're, they're Michigan people. So I have a tough time seeing him leaving. But Cody Jones, I mean, I guess you just never know. I think it depends on who they hire, Brent. I think ultimately if they promote Josh Gaddis or there's a, most of that staff is back intact, then I think everybody kind of holds together if, if Harbaugh ends up definitely leaving. Um, if not, then I think then that's where it really kind of gets those things into flux if – you have a bunch of turnover with the position coaches. Rob, if you were um, if you were a college head coach and you got offered an NFL head job, would you flinch? Would you deb- no. would you debate it or would you head to the NFL no. franchise? I might even take a pay cut so I wouldn't have to deal with 16, 17, 18 year old kids and their parents in recruiting. Yeah, I think I, mean, I, think I, I th- whatever the worst job of the NFL is is better than the best job in college football. I think that the I think the where the college game is right now is really difficult um, in the direction it's going. Would you in, take so. Alabama or the Jaguars? Jaguars, not even not even close. Not even not even think about it for a second. I'd take Alabama. I wouldn't. That, that thing's that thing. You can just step in, and I mean, I, I think there's going to be a natural fall off a little bit, but you got it, one, you'd be able to keep the wheel. I mean, it's like Bill Guthridge. You keep the wheels if, on going. For if a you're little if you're in Jacksonville, you've got there is one phone number that you have to pick up the phone and answer, and that's the owner. 
I bet Nick Saban's got a bunch of phone numbers he's got to pick up for. Yeah, I think the I think I think the Alabama thing is is because of what Nick Saban ma- makes it. I mean, you know, it, I mean, because of what Nick Saban has made it. They're they're a team that obviously 10, 12 years ago that was a different that was a different job. I think just in general, in my opinion, the college game is harder right now because of transfer portal, NIL, um, all of those things that you're having to deal with. Alabama or Jacksonville hubs. I'm taking I, I, with Trevor Lawrence. If you're talking about current situations, I'm taking yes. the Jaguars. And you're not yeah. and you're not going to be Nick Saban at Alabama. You're right. That's be, right. No, you're right about you're that. Be a first I mean, year head coach. Yeah. I mean, you're like right. look at Derek. You asked me. Terrible. I mean, you're asking Derek me. Derek still wasn't George Portals. Yeah. If you're asking me if I want to replace Nick Saban or Urban Meyer with the Jaguars, I, I'll take the Jaguars job well, like, because I mean, it's only AD going up. I mean, this is a dead period in college football recruiting right now. NFL season just ended. You think college coaches are not not recruiting? How many? I mean, how many hours a day are they? you know, on, on the phone trying to sweet talk a 17-year-old right now, whereas the NFL guys are in Maui. Unless you just love recruiting. But, again, I think recruiting is changing because of everything that's going on there. All right, let's move on to Bruce Vall here. The, the biggest know, thing is if you, if, you, if you go to – if you're replacing Urban Meyer, you just got to stay out of the, the frog, the bear, and the wild boar in Columbus. <laughs> Done. And don't, and, kick, don't, and, and don't kick, kick your, your players. Kick, don't kick your kicker. Um, what role do you see Bryson Eason playing along the defensive line? Is he an inside guy or is he a strong side end? I, I think, think he's, he's grown good. into an inside guy. Yeah, I wow. think he's going to be an inside guy as well. Um, overall grade for Danny White in year one. Uh, any intel regarding raises for football coaches? Best quarterback prospects? Um, any chance Tennessee schedules their spring game in Nashville on the same Saturday as Vanderbilt's take place? I have no idea when Vanderbilt's is. If Tennessee's playing that game in Nashville, it will be the second weekend in April, April 9th, which is Masters weekend. Uh, yes. talk- uh, Go ahead. He's got more questions. Keep going. I'm, I just rattled through. We've talked about the quarterback prospects. I, I think I think Nico's the most the most talented in terms of physical skills of, of Nico, Arch Manning, and Vizina. I think Nico's the most raw, talented guy. That's yes. my opinion. Yeah, I also, I mean, I, also, I think there's also a lot of polish though with him. I mean, I don't think he's just like some like you know, just chug it deep kind of guy and can run around. I mean, I, he makes a lot of good throws. Um, as far as Danny White in year one, I would go B plus. You know, I I think to get an A, he's got to be a little more visible for my liking. You know, um, but I think that he's done a lot of really good things in year one. I, you know, for Danny White, Rob, I think the biggest thing that that works for him is he's he's not had to meddle with other sports as we've talked about, and, and you know, Josh Heupel did him a solid in year one. Made, yeah, I mean, what, made I mean, it what, easy for him, right? What could you criticize him for? I mean, what's I mean, I, that's that's I mean, I don't think you can criticize him for anything. I mean, he inherited in, in baseball and basketball, he inherited two rock solid head coaches, and it, you know, the biggest thing he had to do. When he got the job, I mean, it seems like he made a good hire in football. I mean, maybe we'll we'll feel differently in four years, but I mean, it seems to me like with with what the the pool that was out there that, that he he brought back a pretty good pretty good hire. I will say I will say I agree with Austin. I think more visibility, you know, um, would not hurt, would not hurt him. He was probably more visible than you see. He's he's not done as much media stuff as I thought he would do. The ticket thing has obviously drawn some criticism. I think where Tennessee's at financially you know, that, that had to happen and, and, and had to take place, um, you know, so, but, but overall I'm, I'm with Austin. I mean, I think it's been a, I think it's been a solid first year for Danny White where he has 
probably spent more time listening and learning than he has uh, anything else. And that's probably was what needed to take place first and foremost for, for Tennessee. Um, Smoking the Bandit wants to know, is there anything to prevent top schools from bringing in top recruits as walk-ons and giving them NIL deals to offset the lack of scholarship? Seems like a way for programs with big NIL funds to widen the talent gap even further from other programs. I, I don't think most of your top-end guys are going to be willing to do that. Now, could you get a mid-level guy to do that? Like, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's potential. But I mean, like, Alabama, Nico's not going to go, yeah, I'll be a walk-on. You just, just pay for my school and I'll be a walk-on. You know, because, I mean, when you get, like, certain perks as a yeah, scholarship like you, you can't eat – you can't eat – you know, your meals aren't taken care of. I mean, you can't eat in, in – what is it, Smokey's Diner or whatever. I mean, I mean, not that that – I mean – not a huge thing. You, if you make it, if you, if you got a six-figure NIL deal, you can go some. You know, you can obviously go have supper somewhere, but you can't go eat in your offensive line without paying for it. I mean, I, I'm I'm with UAP. I think most kids would be like, nah, I don't think so. Here's the thing: in my all the top top guys like he's talking about are going to have scholarships plus NIL deals. Yeah, yep. multiple Power Five places. And remember this too: if you pay for your school out of your NIL deal, there's taxes on that money that you're taking from your NIL deal that you turn around and pay for school where that's not the case when you deal with scholarship stuff. So I don't think anybody's going to do, I don't think anybody's going to do that. And you've also got to stay under the one Oh five. So it's not like you can go out and sign 30 guys to, or 40 guys to NIL deals and load up this roster. I I just, I don't think that we're going to see it at at that kind of level. All right. A couple things and we're out the door here to finish it up. Uh, Who's likely to jump in the boat next Sanders or Herring. What's the time frame on Tennessee's next decision? Uh, what can Tennessee do to push themselves ahead of Ole Miss and Kentucky for Robinson, AP? Uh, Sanders and Herring, I think April, May-ish. Um, just Rodney Garner to continue to, to work hard on Nathan Robinson. If that's the case, then I think then I think Tennessee will have a, every bit as good a chance as anybody else to land Nathan Robinson. In and, fact, I know I said last week that Tennessee I thought would be setting third. Having went and talked to that kid and spent and spent some time with him on Monday after I went and saw Aiden Bustle, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot on that and say Tennessee is as even with the other two. Like I I think they've not done enough to be even, but they're even. So um, Tennessee's very much in it with Nathan Robinson, but got to put the pedal in. And he will be here, we think, the first weekend. Yeah, March fifth for, for for that Junior Day. Last question. Comes from Corn from a Jar. Rob, any change on Chandler's status as a one and done? Seems like there's some glaring areas in his game that needs improving to see viable minutes on an NBA roster. Shooting, free throws, ball handling, and traffic turnovers come to mind. Is it still a foregone conclusion based solely on his potential that he's heading to the NBA? It's not a foregone conclusion to me. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what Kennedy and his father are thinking, but I mean, to me, he do, he does not look remotely like a first round lock. I mean. To, on potential and what he does at the, at the NBA scouting combine, you know, maybe somebody takes him in the, in the tail end of the first round. But I, I, in my mind, it's, it's a, it's the opposite of a foregone conclusion. It's a big bag of uncertainty. I mean, I don't, is, does he look better to you Hubbard than Sharif Cooper looked last year as a freshman at Auburn? I mean, he, he got taken 48. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I mean, I, I would have told you in November, I thought it was a foregone conclusion. Uh, but as the season has wore on, I would say no, that it's not. Um, I think he over dribbles. I think he gets himself too deep in the paint. I, 
I'm not really sure what that alleged was that a push off they called on that little 15 footer that, that I, he think shot he hooked, I think he hooked the guy and like hooked him shoved him on the hip with his with his left hand oh that was the best pull-up move that he's made maybe all season long at that point and knocked that shot down he has to do more of that obviously not with that you know he can't foul there I didn't think it was much of a foul but I didn't see a great replay I mean I, um, I think Kennedy's an NBA player no doubt right. he's going to play in the NBA but I he's got to he's got to find that 15 foot offense he, he and, and it can't just be the floater every time I mean he, he's he's got to he's got to continue to grow his, his offensive game so We'll we'll see where it's at. I mean, he has moments where he's really good, and then he has moments where he makes some really bad freshman mistakes that should not be making at this point in the season, which is what I think is driving Rick Barnes crazy uh, at times. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how he continues to, to work through it as Tennessee gets ready to play uh, at South Carolina this weekend. Um, Who we got now? Who we got, Rob? You got Tennessee or South Carolina? I'm thinking the Vols. Get run. I mean, they're going to run their. It's going to be a five-game SEC winning streak if they get and, this. One. And then, what about BHH? What's the latest with BHH? I mean, I can't imagine that kid's going anywhere. I mean, you got to have some kind of. You got to have something on tape. I mean, again, I think I think he's an NBA player at some point in time. But if I mean, if I can't imagine that he's done enough to get drafted in the first round. I mean, I'd say somebody would probably take him in the second round just on potential. If he wants to take that chance, I guess he could go. But I haven't – I mean, right now, if I had to guess, I would guess he'd be back next year. And I think that would be the best thing for him. I mean – And finally, Mac McClung, any update there? I do not have anything on Mac McClung. All right, let me let me ask a serious basketball question as we get out the door. Tell I was me. being serious about BHA. I know you were. I, my my were. thing is – is I know you is were. He, is, he, is he happy enough? You know how kids are, man? They get so, like, unhappy when they're not playing. They're used to being stars, and all of a sudden they're sitting on the bench. Is just, how is he mentally right now? Is he going to be I, one that flakes out and wants to go transfer portal, not the draft? I, and I don't want this. I don't want this to sound bad. I don't think he really cares that much. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that he doesn't want to play. I mean, he's 18 years old. I mean, I just don't. I, I just think that it's been a lot for him to adjust and understand just how hard you have to work, and how how much effort you have to play with on both ends when it's just been so easy. For him, and I mean, you say that about every freshman, but I mean, this is—he's a young freshman. I mean, again, still should legit still be a senior in high school, and I just think mentally, it's been—it's been hard for him to to come to grips with just how much you have to put into it. I mean, yeah. he'll, he'll have a great practice one day where he will legit look like the best player on the court for twenty minutes, and then you come back two days later and you don't even know he's in the gym. Yeah, it's a job, and uh, you know, for some, it's an easy, tra- easier transition to that. Zakai Ziegler, obviously, with his mental makeup, where he's at, that's an easy transition for him. For others, it's not the easiest transition. So, uh, everybody's situation is different, and that's the hard part that you can't equate when you put stars beside their names is to figure out everybody's mentality. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But f- first, for Tennessee, is South Carolina on Saturday. Don't look for the Vols to score 90 points, Rob Lewis, but Tennessee's defense is going to have to be better because they can't give up 80 points um, on the road. Tennessee yeah, and, probably not going to shoot it as well, but they're going to have to defend better. Yeah, but I don't know that South Carolina can score 80. That's either. true. I mean, it's, I mean I, I, like, like I, I said, me and Dan talked last night in the, the full-court press, I expect every game Tennessee plays to be in the 60s. So I was, I was stunned last night. I mean, they scored – you know, almost as much in both halves as the whole the whole game at Texas. And Texas A&M is not a bad defensive team at all, right? But um, I I think Tennessee will win an ugly game on Saturday. I mean, who they got Carolina's, next week, Rob? Uh, Kentucky. 
Tuesday night. And then and then who they got the weekend? Vanderbilt come to town. AP, I think. I think so they go. Ready. They go. They go away. Then home. Home again. So if you win Saturday and then you beat Kentucky, you're probably gonna be Vanderbilt at home. You got a real chance to put yourself in a really good spot for oh, that double bye, which is all that really matters. I'm a week. I'm a week ahead at Mississippi State midweek game in Vandy at home. Oh, so they, they have a real shot to be sitting there. I mean, that, you win all those games, and I mean, double bye becomes real realistic at that point. Well, I think. I mean, I think the double bye is almost. A done deal. I mean, I think it's them in Arkansas. Mississippi State could sneak in there. I mean, Alabama's four and five. Tennessee's three games clear of them right now. Um, after last night. So Mississippi State is not gonna be a gimme on the road. But uh I think I think Vanderbilt is a gimme. You get South Carolina this this week, you get the eight, you're you're at eight and three in the league. Pretty I mean, pretty good position. Yep, with with the bulk of your, I mean, all of your hard road games out of the way, for, for, you know, your your most challenging yeah. road games out of the way. Schedule lightens up for Tennessee a little bit down the stretch, uh, particularly on the road. So we'll got full coverage of Tennessee and South Carolina on Saturday. Continued football recruiting coverage as well. We'll have some things to with, with baseball. Lots of stuff going on at BallQuest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast, presented by Smoky Mountain Organics for. Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the Ball Quest podcast every week here on Ball Quest.